Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the 2020 Leadership Mindset Conference. I'm your host, Riley Jensen. And today I'm super excited to have a good friend of mine. Um, he's even to me been a little bit of a mentor and uh, someone who, who really, really enjoys his craft and really, really loves the people that he works with. This is um, head coach Jeremiah Larson of the Weber State women's volleyball team. Jeremiah, thank you so much for just taking a little bit of time to come and talk to us about the mental aspects of the game and of life. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it looks like you're in your, you're in your office today. You're missing the kids, aren't you? Yeah, you know, I... Uh, you keep thinking they're going to show up. You're <laughs> like, if, if you build it, they will come. That's right. I was like, my, my house is kind of crazy right now, so I decided to come in the office to talk to you. And, and I was hoping and praying that someone would show up, but they haven't. It's pretty vacant here. So. <laughs> well, let's keep hoping and praying that something yeah. will open up here because I'm, I'm dying. I'm, yeah. I, I, need, I, need, I need some social interaction. I need some church. I need some hugs. I need whatever <laughs> I need. I don't know what it, I need some sports. Yeah. That's what I need. You know? I just need to be around my players. That's all I need right now. Right, right. So, Jeremiah, I want to um, I, I want the, the listeners and the, and the people that are viewing this to to know you a little bit better. Talk a little bit about your career path, like, you know, your athletic path and then into your career path and, and, and where it's taken you here. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, I started playing at a young age, playing volleyball. I played baseball and basketball quite a bit when I was younger. Um, I was not a football player. I I thought for one minute, I thought it'd be fun. And then I saw a 340 pound lineman at Hunter High School. And I said, that's, I don't so feel, that's not so much. I was not the guy that could play football. So I decided to, uh, my dad taught me volleyball at a really young age. I was about six years old when I started playing and, and he um, played with a bunch of older guys. And, and I just kind of grew up playing and, and fell in love with the sport. I got fortunate enough to get recruited and play at Brigham Young University, which for men's volleyball is one of the premier programs in the entire country. I got to co be coached by Carl McGowan, who is who was one of the best volleyball coaches ever. He's since passed away, which was really hard for a lot of his his players. And so, yeah, so that's that that's who I learned from. Um, we had other amazing assistant coaches that have been around. Hugh McCutcheon, who went to two Olympic games for the men and the women, that was one of our assistants. And, but they gave me the foundation of everything we do here at Weber State when it comes to uh, training, when it comes to skill set. And, and then I just got into coaching. Uh, for volleyball players, they don't get a lot of scholarship money. You know, we got, I think the most I ever got was a third of my tuition ever. And uh, that was for like one year. And, uh, and so we spent a lot of time coaching during the summer to kind of make ends meet. And that's kind of where I fell in love with coaching and I'm trying to understand how to, how to help players learn to love the game and grow. And, and so I got into coaching after I got done playing, coached at Brighton High School for a little bit, um, and then jumped into the college game, went to Missouri, Southeast Missouri State, Utah State for four years as an assistant. And now I'm here. It's going on my sixth season, which is, which is kind of crazy, um, to be honest, because uh, when we first took over this program, we were just looking at a four-year block and hoping and praying that we save our jobs. But since then, we've been able to build a really nice program that I think has some sustainability to it. Yeah, I think I think you've done an incredible job. I, I think last year, it's the second most wins in in school history, uh, made it to the finals of the Big Sky Championship and then made a, a little bit of run in the in a postseason tournament that was 
really fun to watch. It was it's interesting. My my wife played high school volleyball, and we were just I've, I I told her a lot about your players because we worked quite a bit during the season, and it was amazing how emotional we became. You know, watching those games and following those girls, and you know, there's there's been so many good players in the three years that I've been at Weber State now. Uh, it'd be impossible to just name just one, but you know, that senior class last year was pretty special and uh, really fun to watch them. And then you mixed in some, some younger players and some feisty players and yeah. it's, uh, it's kind of fun to watch. Yeah. That first recruiting class that I just, I mean, that who we just graduated, that was, I mean, Rylan Roberts went on a mission, so she's still here, but, uh, but Rylan and, and Aubrey Saunders, Adams and Hannah Hilt Young, Megan Knighting, uh, Katie Irwin, those were my first recruits and, and yeah, they 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 took it from being one of the worst teams in the Big Sky to two points away from winning our conference championship. So yeah, it it was kind of yeah. a, I'm kind of bummed that they're gone because I I love them so much. And, but uh, yeah, we still have some good depth in our program right now. Well, and they set up you know they set up a, a standard. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. I think you know I I talk to a lot of football coaches. I talk to basketball coaches. I talk to coaches around the country, and I think. One of the things that I explain to people is I, I could sit down with football coaches across the country and talk X's and O's, and I would have a blast. Every single coach on the Division One level knows X's and O's of volleyball and what they're trying to do and the rhythm and the rhyme to what their system does. But I think the ones, and, and you can disagree or agree with me here, but tell me a little bit about it, but I think the ones that really become successful over a long time are the ones that know how to develop a culture of, of expectation. Do you, do you feel like that's an important part of what you do? Yeah. Um, when I first got this job at Weber State, I called a couple people that I, uh, you know, that I considered mentors that I really respected. Um, and all four of them said the same exact thing to me, culture, culture, culture. That's what's going to keep the, get the boat rowing. You know, like, you know, the technique, you know, the skills, you know, the training methods, um, but culture is going to get you where you want to be for a long period of time, you know? And so, um, so that's what we went in and did when we first got here was we, we laid out a, a rudimentary plan of how we were gonna build that culture and how to develop our players, not just skill-wise, but also um, uh, what it meant to be a wildcat. I think that's the thing, that's the first thing, what it meant to play at Weber State University and are we going to bring pride or are we going to keep on bringing despair into our program? And so, so that's what we kind of went about doing. I think culture is huge. A team without a culture, I read a book saying a team without a culture is, is like a boat without a captain. It's just going to go aimlessly all over the place. And so we, we felt that we wanted to go in the right direction every year, not just, about, not just get lucky every once in a while. Right, right. Do you... Um... You, you've had you've had some really cool things happen in your program, but even in the years that it's gone really well, these last two years, there's been parts during the season that it's been hard to. There's been different parts that have been really hard to push through, and some some like, gosh, I thought we would be here by now. What? How do you build that team resilience? How do you build that team grit that that works through a difficult time like that? You know, I think. I'm a big proponent that begins and ends with our players. Um, there, there came a point last year. I mean, two years ago, we, we, we really struggled at points. Like it just felt like 
success was definitely not a straight line for us. It was going up and down and sideways and, and we were trying to correct the boat every which way. And, and then at the end of the season, we're like, wow, we finished third in our league. And we, we were confused by that because it just didn't feel like it. And then last year, we started out really well. We beat UNLV, Kansas State, um, played some really nice programs and beat them. And I think, I think we started out nine and two in, in our non-conference and then wandered into conference and just lost matches we weren't supposed to do. And, and we had to like gut check ourselves. And I remember sitting in, our, in my office in my, in my leadership council and say, look, I don't know what's going on. What are we gonna do? And I remember uh, Ashlyn Power, who's still here and Rylan Roberts and Megan Knighting were in that council and Sam Sheese and they said, hey, this is on us. We're gonna go make a difference. And next thing you know, we're, we were on a tear. I think we went on an eight or nine game winning streak. And it was them. It wasn't so much us telling them what they needed to do. They knew the principles that we set in place were true. We were reading a book called Obstacle Away, Obstacle is the Way, and we were reviewing that every week. And, and next thing you know, they were just, they just took off. And I think we ended up losing one game after that, maybe two, and, and it was just fantastic. So I think I'm a big proponent of, of, the, of the leadership and the players in, inside our leadership is what matters. Coach, you there? Yeah, I'm there. Sorry about that. No, I don't know what happened. I have no idea what happened. But I'm, uh, I'm going to assume that you gave me a really good answer. And I think <laughs> it's recording on your end. So I think, I think we'll be all right. Uh, Apologize about that. Um, you, um, not, the, not, the, not the dictionary definition, but what, do you, what, what is your personal definition of mental toughness? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, my personal definition of mental toughness is to be able to stay consistent in effort throughout adversity. Um, I, think, I think a lot of times as coaches, we really struggle with this effort proponent. We, we focus so much on outcome and not enough on the process. And um, I've, we've found that that the, the players that are really mentally tough and, and, and gritty, as we like to say, are the people that can maintain the same amount of mental, emotional, and physical effort through adversity and through challenges. Even when they're having a bad day, they're still giving us their all because I think sometimes outcomes just don't bounce your way, you know? But, yeah. but if we can stay true to our principles in terms of, are we giving the proper mental, emotional, and physical effort the outcome generally will, will take care of itself. And if not that day, it's for sure we'll, we're still gonna get better through that process. So that's, that's kind of how we, we define it here. That's what we, we put our, um, our emphasis on every single day of our, in, our, in our gym. Yeah. I remember when I came into the program, there were, there were two coaches that really stick out to me. One is you and the other one was now the athletic director, Tim Crompton, as 
coaches that were really into the mental game and you were spending a lot of time working on the mental game with your players. Was there a reason for that? Is there somebody that caught you onto that? Is there, what is it that, that felt so important to you to do that? And hopefully I've been able to enhance and help with that. But I, but I feel like you guys were already like really dialed in on the mental game before I got there. Yeah. When I first got here, we weren't making progress like I thought we would in terms of, our skill development. And it was pretty clear to see because what we preach every single day is, are you being mindful of the tasks at hand? And that's what we're constantly preaching. We give them, we give our players in practice certain, a certain number of tasks, usually around three and say, and say, okay, let's be mindful of these so we can make progress. And they just weren't doing it. And we, instead of just assuming that the kids were not caring or weren't working hard or didn't know how to work hard or they were uh, insufficient athletes, I guess. Um, we thought, well, we, if we could change the way they think, we could change the way they behave. And that became big for us. And so we really dove in to what were you thinking? What were you seeing? Trying to help them navigate their emotions and their thoughts while they're playing. Because if we felt like if we could control that or help them at least navigate that well then we would be able to get the product that we desired the outcome mm -hmm. and so that was a big deal for us there was a we felt there was a disconnect between them being mindful in practice and be able to perform and so so we really dove into that we we talked to a lot of people um and and when, being an athlete that was a big thing for us when i was a player at byu it was are you being mindful are you being mindful of the little things because my coach constantly said there are no little things so therefore just be mindful of everything. So right. that makes sense. Right. Um, you know, you're in your office right now and, and usually you have that back cupboard open. It's full of books. It is. What, yeah. what book are you reading right now? Um, we're reviewing mindset right now for our program over the summer. Um, when I first got here, that was one of the first books we read. And since then, most of those kids have left, but mindsets right now, what we're reviewing, um, and that's that's been a really fun book to review because I haven't I haven't reviewed it in a while in a while and there's a lot of really solid solid principles in there that's going to I think help our players because I think we kids mostly at this time and especially in the high school level are perfectionists at least the kids that are coming into our program and that's one thing the mindset is really good at trying to help them understand the difference between growth and fixed mindset and. And so we're really working hard trying to fix that mindset in our gym, but that's the, that's a book I'm reviewing right now. And so I'm not reading any new books, but yeah. I love, I love that book. I've probably read that since 2015. I probably read it six, six times. Yeah. The first time I read that book, I, I, there's two reasons why that book was impactful to me is one is as you're reading it, you're like, Oh, I'm actually doing some things right. Like there's some, there's some things here that I'm doing. And then, the two or three things that I saw, I'm like, oh, I just got a little bit of a fixed mindset on that. If I can just step out of my comfort zone, if I can just look at this a little bit different. And I, I felt like it was mind blowing to read that book the first time. And, yeah. and I love it. The, the second through six times, like you're saying is because reviewing it, you forget how many good nuggets there are in here or in that book about just focusing in on, wow, like that's really good stuff. Yeah. It's, it's the second time I'm starting to read it. Like, there's parts that I didn't mark before that now have meaning to, I think, our program and where I am even right. as a coach and as a dad. But the first time I read it, I was blown away because I'm like, I'm not a fixed mindset person in the gym. 
but I'm incredibly fixed mindset in the classroom. And I was like, wow, this is, this is weird. Why am I this way when I play, but not this way when I, when I try to learn. And, and then it, it changed the way I coached my players. It changed the way I talked to my kids. Um, I mean, everything I did changed from that book for sure. Yeah. It's been interesting because my kids were born in 2012, 2015. And since I've read that book, like that's had a huge impact on the way I talk to them. Yeah. Right. And, and I think now, because it's been a few years, I've seen a huge impact on the kids. Like I, I can see that they look at things different than even I did at that age. And it's, wow, that's, that's fun. That's fun that you're reading that book. I wasn't expecting that um, testimonial for mindset. <laughs> me, Surprise. Me, that's a great book, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I read the book, make your bed or something. I think that's what it was called. Um, yeah. And it took me, an hour and a half, which I'm not a fast reader. It's a really short read, but man, that was a pretty sweet book too. So man, awesome I, just, I just went back into mindset. So yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, do you feel like mental toughness has been important since you got done with your athletic career and you've now moved into your coaching career? You know, yeah, for sure. I mean, if one thing my time at BYU taught me, I mean, was how to be mental tough mentally tough. Um, the culture that I came out of as an athlete was unlike anything I've ever, I could ever imagine. Um, I mean, our coaches were incredibly difficult on us. They pushed us, they challenged us. And you either became thick skin or mentally tough or you quit. I mean, every year it seemed like there was about 23 kids on our roster. And then by May it was 15, you know, like they just churned out players. And if you didn't, adapt you would die essentially and so they taught me some pretty solid principles in that program about how to be mentally tough and how and the value of hard work we were never like the highest recruiting like but it was never like we were the most the number one recruiting class you know it was always like we were kind of these rejects and um but we had some really amazing volleyball players that went on to be olympians and i think and i and it, i'm a big proponent that that's what they did they established a culture and get through adversity in us and let us navigate that. And we became really, really tough. So when we played in 2001, we played UCLA in the national championship game, who was like 18 time national champion. And we were working on number two. And when I remember one of my teammates just be like, who are these guys? We can handle them. And next thing you know, we had, they went out and swept them and, and we celebrated and UCLA walked off the court. And that was that right there showed us, showed me that if you valued hard work, then you could be, you could be, do whatever you wanted to do. And so when I took over this job, I remember so many people like, why are you going to Weber state? They've been bad. They've always been bad. They're always will be bad. You're, and even one person said, well, how, how long's your contract? And I said, four years. And they're like, well, now I know when you're going to be unemployed. <laughs> I mean, there's just nothing but negativity here. And I just looked them in the eye and I'm like, I know we can do this we can build a program that people are going to want to come to and that we can be successful at a really high level, not just in the big sky, but nationally. And so, yeah, mental toughness is huge for, uh, huge for me because I, I did something that nobody in their right mind should have done. And now we're, and now we've got something pretty darn special and we're just trying to translate that into our players right now. That, those right. lessons that I learned. Right. Um, what is, what is your biggest failure so far? And how did, how did you overcome that? What lessons did you learn from that? My biggest failure. Um, I think my second year was my biggest failure. I, uh, 
to be perfectly frank with you, like we had a pretty decent team and and we started out nine and zero, and and we started out pretty good in conference. I think we were three and one or something like that. And then and then adversity hit us, and I didn't handle it the right way as a leader. Like I was a poor leader for those kids, and I put way too much pressure on them. And because I was putting a ton of pressure on myself, and because I put a ton of pressure on myself, I didn't think I was doing the same thing to them, but they felt it, and. And the pressure just killed us. I mean, that's the biggest failure. We should have been able to compete and get into the conference tournament that year, and and we missed it by one game. And and a lot of and a lot of times I I look back and and that's the one I wish we could I could go back and and change. You know, is is the way I handled some failure and some adversity. And because of but because of that lesson, um, every time I feel that type of pressure and that adversity, I. I've learned to kind of be able to cope that and, and change the way I'm viewing it. So that way my players don't suffer because of my uh, insecurities or, or whatever I'm putting on top of myself. So. Interesting. That's really, really cool. Um, were, were there coaches or players that you played with that were uh, just, just really mentally tough that rubbed off on you? Or do you find yourself repeating phrases from coaches that you had in the past? Yeah, it's, it's a laundry list, man. Um, I know I have a couple that they, they seem to keep coming out of my mouth. And I'm like, God, I'm, I can't even break the cycle. <laughs> sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, Carl McGowan is widely known in the volleyball world as one of the best coaches ever. And and anybody who played under him has we, these weird mannerisms and sayings that we constantly say. And, and I had a moment when he passed away. I mean, it kind of hit me pretty hard. Like, I'm not an emotional guy. You know me. And most of my players know me. I'm not going to get overly emotional about stuff. But I remember one time I was coaching one day, and I, I, I held my hand a certain way, and I pointed at my player, and I looked at her, and I said in the exact same inflection of my voice and the exact same thing something that he said to me 15 20 years ago you know and i almost lost it in the middle of that in the middle of that court you know because because he was no longer here you know and um so yeah he's been a huge mentor to me uh, a team two teammates that really stood out to me one was a guy by the name of ryan millar he he taught me what it meant to be a really good teammate He's a four-time Olympian or something like that. He has a gold medal. And he's one of the most genuine guys I've ever played with. He never felt, made you feel like you were insignificant in any way, shape, or form. And, and the guy was amazing, you know. And, and, uh, and then Mike Wall was another one of mine that I, I often think about because he was constantly trying to hone his craft. Like, it was mm -hmm. ne he was never good enough. And I thought that was impressive because he was, like, a three-time All-American. But he was always working on trying to be better, hitting new shots, being better in a different situation. And one time we lost a game and I was setting and I remember him looking at me and saying, it's not your fault. It's all of our faults. And so don't put the pressure on you. Like we got to be better and you got to be better and we'll all be better together. And it put a lot of confidence in myself that my teammates believed in me. And I think those lessons right there about my teammates showing confidence in other people has really kind of affected me a ton. And because they were mentally tough, they were able to show confidence in their teammates yeah and because of that they raised the game of everybody that they played around and those two players were fantastic at that raising the game of the people yeah. they were around it's amazing when i think about mental toughness how how much can be bestowed upon you by good teammates right by giving you confidence 
you know, I've said it to your team, I've said it to you before, ne never underestimate the power of a well-timed, authentic compliment, yeah. right? And that, that doesn't mean it has to be cheesy. It doesn't mean it has to be all the time, but man, some of those, some of those little moments like you're talking about where, where that player just told you like, in, in not so many words, like it's not your fault. We, we believe in you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it makes all the difference. I think the Mark Twain quote is like, I can run on two months on a, on a, on a, on a carefully crafted compliment. You know? <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's not, and I think mentally tough people and I think college players and everybody, I mean, you also can't expect to be complimented on everything that you do. But I think when it's done right in the right context, that can give you the fuel that you need to take your, your game to the next level. Oh, for sure. I mean, we, we often talk about with our players, like what, how are your actions affecting the person standing next to you? You know, and uh, if if you are insecure about what you're doing, they're going to be insecure about what you're doing, you know. But if you can even wink at them or give them a fist bump or say, hey, you and me, we're going together right now. There is there is power in numbers. And if and if you're fit and we often say if when you start feeling uncertain about yourself, that is the best time to get in with your teammates and rely on them and and say positive things. I think positive self-talk is something that is is just killing our generation you know these generation of kids i, I think i, I think agree. negative self-talk just beats the tar out of kids well so, and and you already brought up earlier that perfectionism seems to be pervasive with this new generation and really the 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 shadow side of perfectionism is, is negative self-talk that's a yeah. huge problem that comes with perfectionism expecting that you can be perfect all the time gives you an excuse to rip yourself all the time right exactly i and mean we, no go ahead no, I was just saying, and that's hard. No, it's so hard. I mean, we often, when I first got here, we did an activity. Like every time you had a negative self-talk, you made a tick mark on a piece of paper. And one kid did 80, had 80 negative self-talks by in 24 hours. And I said, holy cow, that's a lot. And she goes, well, I stopped counting after, after 12 hours. And I'm like, seven of those, you were sleeping. Like, I can't even believe how much negative right. self-talk you're going through. And and so oftentimes we say, are you saying and doing things that are going to make your teammates and yourself better? Because if you're going to be negative about yourself, why would you allow someone else to say those things and let alone yourself, you know, like you shouldn't allow anyone to say negative things about yourself. So why do you let you say negative things yeah. about yourself? Yeah. And so that's something well, we're constantly combating. Yeah. I mean, some, some of the ways that we talk to ourselves, none of our family would allow us to do that. Right, exactly. Or we would allow an outsider. I mean, look, we all have our things in our families, right, where we rip on each other. But if somebody outside of your house was talking to Jeremiah the way that you talk to yourself sometimes, that your family would be coming to your support and, yeah. and, and rallying behind a flag that says, hey, leave my dad alone. Leave my husband alone. This, guy's, <laughs> this guy is awesome. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's the way you talk about yourself, right? Exactly. And, and as a coach, I learned that the minute negativity goes into my, me, it bleeds through my program and my players. Like it's fascinating how much, um, how you see yourself and what you're doing is like a reflection of your players are a reflection of you. And yeah. so if your players are negative, then it's probably because you're being negative negative. If your players are, are stressed, it's because you're being stressed. And so, I think as a coach, I've learned that a lot is, hey, if your players have a problem, look in the mirror because it might be your problem too. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I think um, I saw some meme during this quarantine 
and uh, it, it had to do with parents and, and, and I'll probably butcher this a little bit, but it had something along the lines of like, it's amazing how hard it is to discipline your insecurities and your problems out of your children. <laughs> so true. Right. So when you're looking yeah. at your kids or when you, you see something that they did that you didn't like about yourself and you get really upset about it and you're like, why am I getting so upset about this? Like he's seven, right? <laughs> but it's your own insecurity that's triggering you. Like I didn't do that well and he's got to do better because he doesn't want to have that pain that I had and, or, or whatever it is, right? And I think that's true as a coach because I think a coach and a player is, is very similar if it's done right to a parent-child relationship where, you know, a, a child can't always feel like their parents are best friends. Yeah. There has to be points where they're disciplined and pushed and prodded, but they also have to know that you love them. So there's that balance, right? And when you're feeling negative towards them or feeling negativity about yourself, they mimic it, yeah. right? It's so true. My my middle son is probably my my biggest problem child, right? He's he's nine. I mean, how much of a problem is that? But right. I mean, so many times the reason why he pushes my button so much is because he's more like me than my other two right. children. Exactly. Right. So, right. and you're a problem. And I'm a huge problem. <laughs> I was a huge problem. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I still am. Ask my wife. <laughs> if I, if I were to, to take a group of those peers of yours, maybe those guys that you played with at BYU or, or some of your coaching peers, if they were to fill in these blanks, if they were to say Jeremiah will be successful because he blank, Ooh. what would they say? Or what would have they said clear back in your BYU days? You know, I take a lot of pride in my work ethic. I mean, I'm pretty sure they would say the same thing. I'd be successful because I work hard. Uh, Why is that important? Why is you know, work ethic important? I mean, we, I, I don't want, I, I'm not trying to make your statement no. cliche, but, we say it a lot, and I totally believe it, but why is work ethic so important? If you ever meet me, and, and we've met together, I'm not – I mean, when you look at other volleyball players, they're like Adonises, you know? They're like six foot six and, and these lean and studly guys, you know? And, and that's not me. I'm a 5'9 guy that could jump pretty well, but, I mean, my skill set was average at best, but we – I think work ethic takes a good player and makes them great. Um, you can be an average player and have all the skill set in the world and just be average. But I think work ethic is everything. It shows you your care. It shows the character. It shows how much you care. It helps you with leadership. Um, it, because if you're going to, if you really believe in something, you have passion for it, you're going to work your tail off and you're going to be obsessed with it. We were watching a video on Kobe Bryant not too long ago. With our with our team about how his, how he's incredibly obsessive about everything he he does, and he's he's got a razor or a, a laser like focus, and we I challenged my team like can people see your focus by the way you act, and yeah. I th I think that's a big deal if you're if you're an average player and you have a ton of work ethic you become pretty darn special and that's that's kind of how. I think that's why work ethic is important because it shows you everything about that person that you need uh, to know. I think, I think you're right. I think it builds trust. I think it, um, I also think on the mental side, it actually gives you that confidence and that thought process is like, Hey, there's nobody working harder than me. So I can handle this situation because I'm working hard. I think there's a, a mental component. I think, you know, I used to think that all the conditioners that we ran 
and all those things that we did when we were playing college sports was, was because we needed to get in shape. But if you think about it, coach, and, and you may disagree with me, but by the time, by the time big sky conference comes around, every team's in shape. Yep. Like, so whether you got in shape at the first of the season or mid season, it doesn't really matter. But I do think it matters from the standpoint of the, the way your team is mentally going into conference. Right. And I, and I think that I remember so many times being in the fourth quarter of a game and just going, Whew, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. And then my first thought was, well, there's nobody who's worked harder than you. So they've got to be as at least as tired as you or more tired. Right. And, and it helped me mentally. I'm with you hundred percent. I think we, there's two, and maybe two stories I can share. One is a saying we often say hard work will bring about consistency. So if you want to be consistent in your game, go work hard, go work hard mentally, emotionally, and physically. If, and when you become consistent and you work hard as you, as you continue to become consistent, you begin, you, be, you begin to gain confidence. So hard work brings about consistency. Hard work and consistency brings confidence. Hard work, consistency, and confidence over time brings success. So if you want to be successful in whatever you do, don't whine, a be, don't whine about how the cards are stacked against you. Don't whine that people don't like you. Don't whine that you're five foot nine and maybe a buck 40 dripping wet. You know, like I was at one time, go work hard, go work hard and you'll find success, whatever it may be. If you work hard, consistent, bring consistency, which will bring confidence, which will bring success. And we believe that when we're up against the ropes, we, our kids look into each other's eyes and realize we've worked hard together. And I think that's a big deal. I remember one time we called a timeout and we were up against it, um, against a really nice volleyball program this year. And I remember listening into the team huddle. And I remember one of our players saying, we have worked too darn hard to go down like this. And next thing you know, we turn it and won it in five. And I think it was against Idaho. It was a big game for us. It was kind of the turning point for our team because they looked each other in the eye and were like, we've worked too hard during the summer and during our preseason to go down like this. And they didn't, they won game four, they smashed them in game four and worked them in game five. And so yeah. I think that's a big deal is how hard you work brings a lot of confidence when you're up against the ropes, especially when you look into it and know that they've also, your teammates have also worked hard with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's fantastic. What, if, if you could give yourself advice 15 years ago, 20 years ago, would you go back and tell Jeremiah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, don't be so hard on yourself. I think Jerry Bovey told me that when I first got here. Don't beat yourself up for things that are outside your control. Um, yeah. I, I'm really hard on myself. I told that when I first got this job, I said, you guys will never – I'll never feel pressure from you because I put more pressure on myself than anybody else. Um, but at, at the same time, I think there's a tricky balance that you have to live with. You know, you got to that strive for perfection and that strive for to be, to be awesome is a big deal in your lives. But at the same time, you can't just destroy yourself. And so I wish I would have eliminated a lot of negative self-talk very early when I was a coach and when I was a player, I think I'd be a better person. I'd be a better uh, coach. I have better relationships with our players if, if I if I could have eliminated that a little earlier. I'm still still I'm like a negative holic a little bit because I still beat myself up quite a bit about what I'm yeah. doing. Yeah, I can see that. I also think that you're quick to be coached. 
I, don't, I, I, I think that you're really, really good at taking feedback. I've seen you take feedback that maybe would be uncomfortable for some people and, and turn it into a win. So I think, I think you may even be doing that better than you thought. <laughs> well, I try to stay humble as best as I can, no matter how awesome I am. That's what my wife always tells me. You're, you're not as awesome as you think you are. <laughs> but I, I, I yeah. You there? I'm there. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. I'm going to assume that was another great answer. So I'll, uh, I'll edit this when we need to. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to ask you one last question since uh, maybe we're having a little, little trouble with the connection here. But um, people are going through a difficult time right now. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of, um, you know, expectations that have kind of been dashed a little bit. There's people that are sick people that are losing 401k and businesses and worried about the future. What, what would be your thoughts if you're talking to your own son who was going through a job loss or a death of a family member? Yeah, you know, um, I, I can't even imagine going through that. We've been pretty fortunate because I think Utah's been pretty mellow, but um, I consistently just keep on trying to stay positive through everything. Um, I think the sun will come up tomorrow and we'll have a new day to try to be better. And, uh, and that over time, uh, you know, heals all wounds. Um, I, I tell my, my son who is a big social person, my middle child, and he's, he's struggling with it a ton because he just loves being around people. He's, like I said, that's probably the only thing he's not like me. That's why he's my nephew. That's yeah. <laughs> but uh, so like, I think at times, I, there's a lot of times I'm like, hey, it's never as bad as we think it is. And I think we have to just try to find the positive out of everything. Um, I get to spend more time with my family, which is a huge deal. I could dwell on the fact that of, of everything, all the negative that's going on in this world, but now I get to spend more time with my family and I get to interact with them. And, and so I think there's always a positive in everything that we do. And that all challenges will make us better if we approach it the right way. And it will make us yeah. more confident in what we can do in the future because we handled it the right way. And if we, if the, you know, I think it goes back, if it doesn't, it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. I think we're going to be stronger because of this as a, as a society, as, as, a, as a volleyball program, as people. I think we'll value each other a little bit more than we ever have before. And, and, and I think that's a good thing to have. I think there's going to be some good things that come out of this. It's not all doom and gloom for sure. I agree with that. There was a, another coach that I interviewed on these, on these uh, leadership. He gave a long time ago. I thought you were going to say it word for word, but it's never as bad as it seems. 
and it's never as good as it gets. So we're, we're constantly, you know, in, in between that balance. And I, and I love that phrase because it keeps me motivated when things are good. And it helps me not to get too anxious when things aren't as good as maybe I had hoped. Um, so I, I, I totally agree, man. You, I, I really appreciate you taking a few moments with us. You're, you're an all-time coach. Uh, I know how much you care for your players. And I've just really loved my interaction with you at Weaver State. So thank you for taking a little bit of time. Well, it's my pleasure. I mean, you've taught me so much in the three years you've been with our program. And, and a lot of our success is a has contributed to what you help you help our players deal with. So thank well, it's you. hard not to be it's hard not to be a big fan of your program. So Very thanks again, Coach. Anytime. Have a fantastic day. Have a fantastic week, and we look forward to seeing you out on the court. You too, man. Appreciate it.